Welcome to another edition of Focus on the Kingdom. This is Anthony Buzzard inviting you to search the Scriptures with us as we investigate Jesus' favorite topic, the Kingdom of God. We're glad you joined us again for our ongoing discussion of what is undoubtedly the center and the heart of everything that Jesus taught, the gospel about the kingdom of God. I think you'll agree with me that in the study of any subject, it's important to get the big picture. When we're confronted with a jigsaw puzzle, for example, say of a thousand pieces, we would really be at a loss if we did not have the big picture in front of us to give us a clue to the whole as we begin to put the pieces together. It's exactly like that with the study of the Bible. If I may speak personally for a moment, I know that for many years in my early days, I had no idea of the big picture presented by the Bible. It was only when I found the clues to understanding it, the keys to knowing the overall plan of God, that I began to see how the individual pieces fitted together. Now, the Bible does have a story. It has a beginning, a middle, and an end. And that story is concerned with one major theme, and that theme is the kingdom of God. Let me quote a statement from a biblical expert who examined this matter in detail and concluded that there was indeed a central underlying theme which gives meaning to all parts of the Bible. He said this, The concept of the kingdom of God involves, in a real sense, the total message of the Bible. Not only does it loom large in the teachings of Jesus, it's found in one form or another through the length and breadth of the Bible. At least if we may view it through the eyes of the New Testament faith, from Abraham, who set out to seek the city whose builder and maker is God, until the New Testament closes with the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. To grasp what is meant by the kingdom of God, says this author, is to come very close to the heart of the Bible's gospel of salvation. What then could be more important than a grasp of the kingdom of God, God's chief idea, his master concept, and of course then the master concept of Jesus, who was the greatest exponent of the gospel of the kingdom of God ever to appear among us. And that, of course, is the reason why we've chosen to call these programs Focus on the Kingdom. In focusing on the Kingdom, we're focusing on what is closest to the heart of God himself and also of his Son, Jesus the Messiah, who preached for three and a half years about the Kingdom of God and resumed the very same preaching of the Kingdom in Acts chapter 1, verse 3, and then commissioned his apostles and his disciples to continue the mission of the gospel of the kingdom of God to the ends of the earth and also of course insisted that this should be done until the end of the age. Various strange theories have been mounted to try to disturb that simple pattern from the Bible. There's only one gospel you know in the Bible and it's the gospel that Jesus himself introduced, the gospel about the kingdom of God. It's not a gospel that's going to be preached by some Jews after the church has disappeared. No, it's the gospel that should be preached from the time of Jesus onwards right to the end of the age by every Christian evangelist. It's a very easy matter to establish this from the Bible for yourselves. If you have any doubt about it, may I counsel you to study the kingdom texts in the book of Acts. In Acts chapter 1 verse 3, 
Jesus set us a fine example by continuing to preach the gospel of the kingdom in a six-week seminar setting with his apostles. And then in Acts 8, verse 12, a golden text for any student of the Bible. It says that when they believed Philip, preaching the gospel about the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were being baptized, both men and women. Nothing could be more useful than an early creedal statement about what people in the New Testament times believed before they were ready for baptism, and also what the gospel was as it came from the lips of the apostles and other disciples of Jesus. Here we find Philip preaching the very same gospel about the kingdom of God as Jesus had before him. And no wonder, because Jesus, in his great commission, had told his uh, closest disciples and apostles to go into the entire world and to teach and preach exactly the same things as he had preached before. And so naturally, then, we find the same gospel of the kingdom of God coming again after the death and resurrection of Jesus, just as Jesus had preached it before his death and resurrection. In Acts 14, verse 22, Paul says that it's through much tribulation that we're going to enter the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God, then, is the objective of Christian faith. The objective of Christian faith in the Bible is not to go to heaven or disappear as a soul to some region far removed from the earth. It's to enter the kingdom of God when Jesus returns. And so Paul's statement there in Acts 14.22 is most enlightening. Through much tribulation, we Christians are destined finally to enter the kingdom of God in the future. And then in Acts chapter 19, verse 8, we find Paul dialoguing and arguing and discoursing about the kingdom of God for three months. Finally then in the book of Acts, because Luke wants us never to forget that the kingdom is the heart of the gospel, Luke records that Paul first met with some Jewish people in Acts 28, verse 23, and from dawn till dusk he argued the kingdom of God, trying to persuade them about Jesus and about the gospel of the kingdom using the Hebrew Bible, what we unfortunately call the Old Testament, using the Hebrew Bible as the base of his operations and arguing for the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ to his Jewish colleagues there. And then finally in the book of Acts, in Acts 28, verse 31, the very last thing that we see Paul doing in Rome was preaching the same gospel about the kingdom of God and the things concerning Jesus Christ. And he did this, Luke says, for two whole years unhindered. That is Luke's last word to the world, his last report of what the Christian church was engaged in. And it's a most significant fact that from the very start, from Luke's early chapters in his book of Luke, right to the end of his second book, the book of Acts, it is the preaching of the gospel of the kingdom which dominates the scene at every point. In view of all that plain evidence, it's really amazing that some have felt that the gospel of the kingdom ceased at the death of Jesus and will only be resumed again after the church has disappeared, according to some theories. Now, the whole question of the disappearance of the church ought to be examined carefully too, but quite apart from that, it is simply wrong to say that the gospel of the kingdom ceased at the death of Jesus. It's quite obvious, if we look at these kingdom texts in the book of Acts, that the gospel of the kingdom did not cease for one moment. In fact, in that last chapter of Acts, Acts 28, Paul, having taken the gospel of the kingdom to the Jews, then said, I'm going to take this same salvation to the Gentiles 
and they will indeed listen to it. And he then went on to preach the same gospel of the kingdom. So all attempts to get rid of the kingdom of God gospel as the gospel to be preached now are bound to fail on the plain evidence of the text of Scripture. No wonder then that Jesus counsels us to seek first the kingdom of God and God's righteousness and all other things will then be added to us. Nothing can be more salutary, nothing can be more unifying than to engage in a profound and prolonged study of the kingdom of God, Jesus' favorite topic, and in fact the principal theme of the whole of Scripture. Did you ever notice how precisely Paul followed his master in regard to this preaching of the gospel of the kingdom? In Luke chapter 9, verse 11, we read that Jesus typically welcomed the people and began speaking to them about the kingdom of God. And so in Acts chapter 28, verse 30, we see Paul welcoming all who came to him in his hired house, and he was beginning then to preach the gospel of the kingdom of God to them. You see, Jesus and Paul had no difficulty at all with this idea of the gospel of the kingdom. It was the center of all true evangelism. No wonder then that Jesus in Luke 9, verse 60, instructs a young man who came to him to go and preach the gospel of the kingdom everywhere. That indeed was the basis of evangelism as both Jesus and Paul understood it. It's hardly surprising then that Paul, when he summed up his whole mission and ministry and looked back on the work that he'd been doing, described it in these words. He says, I went about preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God to you. You'll find that in Acts chapter 20, verse 25. And only one verse earlier, he'd given another description of that same ministry, which has exactly the same meaning as the preaching of the gospel of the kingdom of God. It was the preaching, in fact, of the gospel of the grace of God. Those two things, the gospel of the grace of God and the gospel of the kingdom of God, are obviously alternative ways of describing the same gospel preaching. Both of them have to do with exactly the same preaching of the gospel of the kingdom as Jesus had set as an example before Paul ever came on the scene. So one of the most satisfying and unifying facts about the Bible is that there's a single gospel, one gospel for everybody, and it's the gospel introduced by Jesus himself in Galilee in Mark chapter 1, verses 14 and 15. There Jesus came into Galilee, announcing that the time was at hand, that people should repent and believe in the gospel about the kingdom of God. It has been necessary to go into this matter in some detail because an unfortunate theory about two different gospels has confused and divided the New Testament quite unnecessarily. In fact, there's only one gospel, and that can be shown easily by comparing Acts 20, verses 24 and 25. The gospel of the grace of God referred to in Acts 20, 24 is exactly the same as the preaching of the gospel of the kingdom referred to in Acts 20, verse 25. Paul there uses the expression to herald the kingdom of God, which is exactly the expression found in the early chapters of Mark when the gospel was introduced by Jesus himself. Let me tell you with great confidence that getting the unifying theme of the whole Bible will greatly increase your joy at reading the Scriptures. You'll begin to see for the first time, perhaps, if this hasn't come to you already, 
that there is a great overarching design that God is working on, and that design has to do with restoring peace and prosperity upon the earth. You remember that from the beginning things went wrong when the devil tricked Eve into eating a tree which God had forbidden to the first pair. Since that time, God has been offering humanity a way back to the Garden of Eden, and that is known as the kingdom of God or the kingdom of God on earth, a promise that begins when Abraham was guaranteed the earth as his, as his inheritance. You see, Jesus was a great exponent of the prophets of the Old Testament. He believed with Abraham that one day the faithful would inherit the earth. And so in Matthew 5, verse 5, Jesus said, Blessed are the meek, for they are going to inherit the earth. That was exactly what had been promised to all the faithful throughout the pages of the Hebrew Bible. Matthew 5, 5 should be taken as a key text, a master verse, because it unifies so well the Hebrew Bible, the Old Testament, and the New Testament. It shows that the gospel was preached in advance to Abraham. He was promised the land, and the Christians are likewise promised the land. Matthew 5, verse 5. Jesus, of course, was the last of the great prophets, as well as being the Son of God, and he guaranteed the very same promise made to Abraham to all his followers. Our time is running out for today. We invite you to join us again as we continue to probe these most vital questions about life and immortality as Jesus offers it to us in his good news about the kingdom of God.